Messi wins his seventh Ballon de Oro. Did he deserve it? Should it have gone to Lewandowski? Today, Wolves tie 0-0 against Burnley. They look anemic on offense. They have two points out of six playing against Burnley and Norwich. Something has to change. On the other side, Liverpool beat Everton. They win the Merseyside Derby 4-1. They look unstoppable right now. Manchester United appoint Ralph Ragnick as their interim head coach till the end of the season. What does this mean for Manchester United? In the NFL Week 12, the Seahawks lose to the Washington football team. They fall to 3-8. They are done. And it looks like Russell Wilson might be playing his last days with Seattle. Rams lose three straight. They are now 7-4 after starting 7-1. They lose 36-28 to the Packers. And the final score kind of hides how much they were dominated by the Packers. Patriots are 8-4. They've won six straight. They're first place in the AFC East. They are back. The Patriots, after one season of playing mediocre, they look like they're right back in there. The Suns extend their win streak to 17. They defeat the Warriors, and Devin Booker only played 15 minutes. We'll talk about all of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Messi wins his seventh Ballon de Oro, his record extending seventh Ballon de Oro. Um, and this one comes with a lot of controversy. I will say so myself. Uh, I, as a lot of other people, felt that. It should have gone to Lewandowski. He had the better season, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion. He performed excellent with Bayern. He showed up in the big games. Um, he won the league. He won the cup with Bayern. And obviously, with his national team, he can't really do too much. He's po- he's Poland. He's Polish, so Poland is not the powerhouse, especially in Europe where they're stacked. So you can't really hold that too much against Lewandowski if he doesn't have the success with the national team. Obviously, Messi finally won his elusive first trophy with the national team of Argentina. Um, he's been wanting a national trophy forever, as a lot of the greats do. You want, you obviously, you want to win with your club, but winning with your with your country just feels different. It's a whole, it's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different experience. So Messi finally gets his Copa America. But some of the critics would say that he didn't score in the semifinal. He didn't score in the final. Copa America is supposed to be a tournament that gets played every four years, but since 2016, like a five-year span, there's been like three or four Copa America. So how hard is it for him to actually, like, how much does that cup really mean if they're just spitting them out like crazy? But, you know, he did win. He did win that national team trophy. Argentina did succeed. They did win it. Um, I believe they had no fans. And they had to change locations a couple times because of the pandemic. So it was also like a weird Copa America. It wasn't like a regular one. But they did beat Brazil on their way to the finals. So, or in the finals. So credit to Messi, credit to Argentina. But in my humble opinion, I think Lewandowski should have won the Ballon de Oro last year. But they didn't give out the award. And this year, I think he was the overwhelming favorite, um, in my opinion, too. And I think I think um, Jorginho also should have had. Uh, he finished third. I think he should have finished second. If if it was up to me, I would probably put Lewandowski, Jorginho, Messi, Benzema, Kante, and then Ronaldo, or maybe Le- Lewandowski, Jorginho, Benzema, Messi, and Kante. 
I just don't think uh, that Messi had that great of a season, especially by his standards. And others had a lot of deserving seasons as well. Benzema, you know, he put that the Real Madrid team on his back. And Messi, this is this is the 2021 award, so we got to consider everything, not just not just the Copa America and not just the ending of last year, but the beginning of this season. He has struggled to score with PSG. Shocking move to leave Barcelona, go to PSG. I believe he scored one one goal out of eight games, eight league games this season in the French league. And you know we don't really hear too much criticisms of him. Um, he's just feeling it out. Um, Ronaldo, who has done better with United, gets criticized way more. Uh, I will I would say that I think Messi throughout his career he has been protected. He has he's been a media darling. People like if you see ESPN or even like Bleacher Report or like in a lot of these. Um, news outlet, sports news outlet on Twitter, on Instagram, the way they depict Messi and the way they depict um, Ronaldo is just completely different. Um, especially even the even the people, the French press, the ones that host the Ballon d'Oro, Ronaldo wasn't even present and they put up a picture of him and Drogba <clears throat> like modeling some male suits from like years back. And it's just like, it's, it's a bad taste of mouth. It leaves a bad taste in the mouth and you just wonder, like, what's what's their agenda? Uh, what are their biases? Um, and oh, as as a lot of people have said throughout the last few years, I think this this award has lost some of its shine, some of its uh, legitimacy. Legit, like, how legit is this is this award when um, a lot of players have felt robbed? Um, I'm talking about like Robin or Snyder with the Netherlands. <clears throat> when he led AC Milan to the, I mean not AC Inter. When he led Inter to the Champions League and Netherlands to the final, and he didn't win it. There's, there's always it feels like there's always a lot of politics going around with the Ballon d'Oro, and this year is no different. Even I think Lewandowski kind of predicted this going into the tournament before he before it was announced who won. He, he was interviewed and he kind of said that he just hopes that they pick whoever had the best year. And there's no other like outside forces um, impacting the decision. And I feel like there were, there is, and, and there always will be. It's politics, and you know, it is what it is. Congratulations to Messi for winning his record-extending seventh Ballon d'Oro. And we'll see who wins it next year. I think there's also a lot of fatigue from Messi and Ronaldo winning it. Um, I think at some point we got to start moving away from these two greats and we got to start rewarding other players. But it is what it is. Messi wins his seventh Ballon d'Oro. Congratulations to Messi. I'm sure he's having a great time enjoying his seventh Ballon d'Oro. And nevertheless, it doesn't take away from, you know, Messi's a great player, all-time great. To win seven Ballon d'Oros is just incredible. It's probably never going to be topped. Um, And Ronaldo's probably never going to catch up to him, so... He has that over Ronaldo probably for the rest of his career and the rest of their life. So congratulations to Messi for winning his seventh Ballon d'Oro. And, you know, I I feel sorry for Lewandowski. They they made up a, a best striker award just to give it to him. Just so, you know, it wouldn't leave such a bad taste in his mouth that he didn't win the Ballon d'Oro. When, in my opinion, he clearly deserved it. Wolves tie 0-0 versus Burnley. Another disappointing tie. Um... Zero goals against Burnley and Norwich is just unacceptable. No matter how you spin it, uh, you should be able to score against these bottom of the uh, bottom of the table teams. 
Um, and it's just sad. It's just sad because you get excited with the Wolves. They, they, they start to lead you. They start to make you believe that, you know, this could be a different season, that, you know, they could turn it around, that they're getting award, they're getting results. And then they put these two stinker, stinker of matches against Burnley and against Norwich, and you're like, okay, like, what can we realistically do this season? We have to, you know, not get too ahead of ourselves. When the Wolves beat West Ham and they moved into, like, sixth place, um, they still hold six right now, but you were you were starting to think, okay, we got Norwich next, we got Burnley next, and then we got Liverpool and Man City's and Brighton, so it's gonna get tough. But with Norwich and Burnley lining up after we just have a very um, uplifting victory against West Ham, you start to think, okay, can we push towards top four? Like we should, these should be victories. We should be able to just keep going up the table. You looked at West Ham's fixtures. Um, they just lost to Man City today. You knew that they were probably not going to get too many more points. And the Wolves were playing Norwich and Burnley, so you expected them to, you know, get more momentum, use the West Ham victory to, um, momentum to catapult them up the table. And you you would think that they would be going into this Liverpool match on Saturday with a lot of momentum, with a lot of excitement, with a lot of, you know, positive things to build on. And... Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's the opposite. You just start looking at the roster. You start looking across, you know, the the starting eleven, and you start to wonder who's gonna score. If it's not Rohi Jimenez, if it's not Huang, if he's not on form, if he's not finding like a lucky deflection like he did when he first started with the Wolves, and he's not at the right place at the right time. Who, who in this team is gonna put the ball in the back of the net? Um, the Wolves, to their credit, they have the third best defense in the Premier League. That's great. That's awesome. But they have the third worst offense and the worst home offense. And it's just, it's getting hard to watch. It's getting frustrating. It's, it's, uh, there's a lack of intent when the war, when the Wolves go up, when the Wolves try to attack, there's a, there's a lack of pace. There's, there's a lack of urgency. There's a lack of ideas. It, It just seems like the Wolves are very comfortable just kicking the ball side to side. And no one gets the ball on their foot and tries to go at a player, try to take a player on. And that's upsetting. Um, it's upsetting that Ro Jimenez is not the Ro Jimenez he was before the injury. It sucks, but he's not. Um, it's upsetting that Silva hasn't developed, that, we, that the Jota transfer... Um, some didn't get invested better. It didn't get invested in a player that was going to impact the team. It didn't get invested in maybe in a couple squad rotation players that could, you know, add something to the team. It got invested in a 17-year-old that's not ready. And we don't know if he, he, if he, if he will ever be ready. You hope that Silva could finally turn it around when he's 20, 21, or 22. He's still very young, so <clears throat> nothing against the kid. But, well, like, Wolves... Us as Wolves fans, we want results. We want Wolves to put a good, a good content on the field, and it's just not happening. And uh, Adama Traore, he has those contract, you know, extension talks that don't seem to be going anywhere. I used to be one of the people that would say like, we can't get rid of him. Like, he's a he's a generational talent. Like, you see that speed. You see how he dribbles as he evades tackles. Like, we need him. 
But that was like the old days. I'm still like enamorated by those days when you would see Adama Traore go down the go down the touchline and give a pass to Raul Jimenez, and he would finish it. And it seems like those days are over. Uh, Raul Jimenez is not the same player. Adama Traore's last touch has gotten worse. Um, I, th- I thought it couldn't get worse, but it looks like he has no final product. Um, today he should have definitely played on Raul Jimenez. Easy tap in. I think Raul Jimenez finishes that, and it's a whole different game. Um, Burnley can't just sit back. They got to go look for the game. They got to go look for the tie, and Wolves could get them on the counterattack. Instead, Adama, go- Adama Trare goes on his on his own, gets close to scoring, hits hits the crossbar, and then it goes away. And that was the clearest chance that the Wolves had all, all game, and it's it's frustrating that that was the best chance. It's frustrating that Adama Traore could have played Ro Jimenez. Obviously, he hasn't scored and assisted in 15 games. He's probably frustrated. He probably just wants to score. He probably wants to score to, you know, show Wolves that they should give him a higher contract. I don't know. But he should have definitely played on Ro Jimenez. And it just looks like goals are not coming from the front three, uh, from the midfield. Uh, Dan Donker coming in for Neves. Like, there needs to be more pace in that midfield having Moutinho and then Donker in the midfield it was so lethargic so slow it's ah it's frustrating to watch um another frustrating thing from this match was there was no urgency like Wolves are at home you see Bruno Lodge getting the crowd pumped up trying to get the support up and they add four minutes and you can see the four minutes coming to an end and the Wolves center backs are just kicking the ball in the back, in the back, just happy, just content to kick the ball from one side to the other. All right, if no one's going to, if when the ball gets to the flanks, none of the wing bags, none of the wingers are going to try to attack and maybe take on a player, like at least give it to the center back and just launch the ball to the top. Don't just waste time doing nothing, kicking the ball side to side, like, it hadn't worked all all game. It didn't work at the end, and they just literally killed the last two minutes just with nothing. the The keeper, the the Burnley keeper, didn't really have too much to worry about, and it's just frustrating because I I did I did a video after the West Ham victory, and I was like, I don't get I don't want to get too excited, but Norwich Burnley next, like like this is looking good. This is looking good. We could potentially push top four get ourselves in a comfortable position to at least finish in a European spot when the season is over. But now two points out of six against Norwich, against Burnley, it's, it's unacceptable. Two teams that are fighting for relegation. Like that's just, it's, it's sad that we can't, we can't muster better games against these teams. And now Liverpool having played, they're playing probably the best football in all the premier league right now. Um, come to Molyneux, so we'll see how how that goes. But overall, disappointing result against Burnley, disappointing result against Norwich, and we go again on Saturday. Liverpool win the Merseyside Derby four to one. Salah looks unstoppable. Jordan Henderson puts a masterclass performance. Diego Jota exquisite finish, exquisite season he's having with Liverpool. Liverpool are just firing on all cylinders. They completely take care of Everton. 4-1 at Goodison Park. Shout out to Liverpool. Congratulations. Having a great season. They're the top scorers of the league for a reason. They have a lot of 
players that can score. Their midfield is active. They get they get up. They attack the box. They, it's just it's it's nice to watch Liverpool play. It's exciting. It's fun. Um, and Jota looks like a little magician. Salah is the king of Africa. He's the king of the world right now. Probably he's probably playing the best football out of any footballer in the world right now. And he just makes finishes, tough finishes look very, very simple. Um, he's a savant with the ball on his foot. And Liverpool look like they're going to climb that table. They're already third, 31 points in 14 games. They have the top scorers in the league in Salah, number one, Mane, number two. And then it's Vardy, and then it's Diego Jota. Or it might be um, Salah, Vardy, Mane and Jota, one of those. They have three of the top four scorers in the league. And in my opinion, they're playing the best, the best. Chelsea's getting results. They're number one in the table. But, you know, they for for a lot of these games, they're kind of squeaking out. They beat Watford today. But I think Liverpool is really impressing, is impressing the most right now. City's playing good too. But for my money, I think Liverpool is playing the best. And this... This uh, season has turned into a three-horse race. We thought, or I thought in the beginning of the season, Manchester United, with the signings they had, with Ronaldo coming to them, I thought they were going to be able to, you know, make it a four-team race. But as we've seen with Ole gone, they're out of the picture. They're like in 10th. They might not even get Europe. But this is definitely a three-horse race. And for my money, if we, if you were to ask me right now who I would put my money on, um, I would definitely say Liverpool. They're in third place right now, but I, I see them playing the best football right now. Salah looks unstoppable. That supporting cast is great. Jordan Henderson is a great captain. I I, I like I like his story arc. I like his career arc. Um, Jordan Henderson, like a lot of a lot of uh, Premier League fans would give him some some slack when they weren't doing that good. When he became the captain, when he when he was like an unquestioned starter and they're starting 11, uh, you know, a lot of people used to call him. I don't know if people remember because now Jordan Henderson is like a captain. He's a well renowned player. He was the captain when they won the Champions League, when they won the league. He's in the England team. He's in the England starting 11. He, he's, his career has gone so good in the last few, like four or five years. But I remember there used to be people that would give him a lot of criticism. They would say like Jordan Henderson captain, captaining Liverpool, like what a, what a downgrade from Steven Gerrard to Jordan Henderson. Like, like how are you going to have that big of a drop-off having, like, a all-time great English player? And now you have, like, this, what a lot of people thought was just a middle-of-the-pack midfielder. So it's great to see how Jordan Henderson has just lifted himself. He has class in his game. He looks like a great player. And he seems to score banger of goals all the time. And today he had another exquisite exquisite finish, curling the ball to the right side of the keeper, side netting going in. Beautiful finish, good for Jordan Henderson. I, li- I like what he does. I like what he represents. He's a good captain. He looks like he's a good leader, man. He looks like he's a good person. So I'm happy for Jordan Henderson getting on the score sheet. Salah, ob- Salah obviously gets got to get some love. He scores two goals, um, one uh, pass from Jordan Henderson, another one on a mistake from Coleman, I believe. And he just looks he looks unstoppable right now. He looks like the best player in the Premier League by a mile. And what what can you say about Salah? He just makes 
hard things look easy and he's on fire right now and he's probably the main reason that Liverpool is on this run that they are and Jota Jota hurts my heart to talk about Jota because as a Wolves fan I miss him I, uh, when I see the anemic offense that the Wolves put on display I could only imagine how different it would be if Jota was still wearing the the yellow and black but he's gone now and he's thriving with Liverpool and I'm happy for him and like like the announcer said, he's probably going to be scoring goals in that red uniform for years to come. It seems like it's a bargain. Whatever they paid for him, it's gonna. It, it looks like it's a bargain. Um, I, I'm pretty sure his value has doubled by this point with the performances he has put for Liverpool and Portugal since he made that transfer. But beautiful turn by Jota. He's a little magician with the ball on his foot. Um, 31 points out of 14 games. I think Liverpool is firing on all cylinders. Um, I think their offense is amazing to watch. They kind of, I kind of get the same sense out of Liverpool um, from the Warriors. If you guys watch basketball, if you guys follow the NBA, the Liverpool offense kind of gives me the same feeling that I get when I watch the Warriors. Just excitement, just it's fun, it's exciting. You kind of always got to watch because something exciting could happen. I kind of get the same feeling from Liverpool, and that's a big compliment to Liverpool. If if anybody's watched the Warriors play. But for my money, Liverpool is the favorite to win the league. They completely dominate Everton and win the Merseyside Derby 4-1. Manchester United have appointed Ralph Ragnick as the interim head coach till the end of the 2021-2022 season. And then after that, he's going to play some um, assistant role or something, upper management role for two more years. But what does this mean for Manchester United? Um, they're like in tenth place in the Premier League. Um, they have completely fallen out of the of the Premier League race, but they're still in Champions League. They're still in the Premier League. Uh, you know, trying to possibly squeak their way back into the top four. Maybe just get uh, Europa League. We'll see what they're able to do. But what does this mean for Manchester United? I think this means this brings more accountability to that locker room. Um, before in his previous jobs, he's had this. 12 punishment um like system for players or instead of finding the players there he does like these 12 different um punishment that he implements for players uh he does like a ball system where you got to pump up balls get them to the pitch clean and stuff like that you have to go be an assistant coach for an academy team you got to take you got to be a stadium tour guide there's a lot of stuff that he does um you know um, you got to take care of the grass. You got to wear a tutu to practice. It's just, it's, he's different. He, he's innovative. He has different um, ways of punishing players. But I think this is what Manchester United needs. If, if you look at United, they kind of look like they, ha- they lack leadership. They lack accountability. They lack um, just someone to lead them, someone to tell them, hey, this is how things are going to be. And if you don't do it, if you don't get in line, there's going to be there's going to be consequences and it just looks Manchester United reminds me of you know those club teams those travel teams growing up that had all the talent in the world if if you put if you look at the individual players you're like okay he's he's a good scorer he's a good dribbler we got one of the better defenders in the league keepers nice strong midfield bench is good there's no reason this travel team shouldn't be good and they're, they're not good because you know they're they're getting late to the games. They're not warming up properly. Um, they got divas on the team. You know 
Um, everyone's just trying to get the new cleats, trying to, you know, impress the, the girls. And they're not focused on the game. They have all the talent in the world, but they're not focused. And it kind of reminds me like that Manchester United. They have all the talent in the world. They have world-class players that demand great transfer fees. But they're not in line. They're not all playing together. And I think Ralph Ragnick is going to bring that to Manchester United. So I'm excited to see how he gets him in line, how he holds every player accountable. And it's just an upgrade over Oli. Oli just looked like, you know, this job was came too fast for him. It was too soon. He hadn't developed. He hadn't earned his chops as a coach. He hadn't, he hadn't developed tactics that work in the Premier League. The Premier League is probably the toughest league in the world. Um, and for him to just jump into into it like that, it's very tough. So Ralph Ragnick, that, who has some pedigree, who has some cachet, I think he's going to be able to implement his tactics. They're going to have a United team that plays more as a team. That They're going to be more focused. They're, he's, he's not a player's coach. It's kind of what I'm getting from this. Um, I think Oli... To a fall was too buddy buddy with all his players. It's great. It's great to have a coach that you could go talk to, that you could feel that you're like on the same level, and you could connect to, and you're friends with him. That's all good. But at some point, you got to show the locker room. You got to show the players that hey, this is I'm the boss. You know, I'm the boss. Like what I say goes. And if you don't do what I say, there's gonna be punishment. And you know, I re- I realized that with Manchester United when Maguire got sent off against Watford. And you got Oli in the in the on the side of the bench or like on the sideline when Maguire is passing him to head to the locker room after he got his red card. Ollie gives him the high the the high five or it gives him the hand. Like, what are you doing? I've seen coaches numerous times yell at their players, like, what are you doing? Like, how how did he not get it together? I think it's just that type of buddy buddy, like being friends with, with your um players. It just lets everyone off the hook. It's like, okay, like, we clearly saw Maguire, the captain of the team, do this atrocious mistake. And you're not going to say anything. You're not going to tell him. You're not going to, you know, make an example of him. You're not going to, like, hold him more accountable. Like, this is a professional football player getting paid an insane amount of money who demanded the biggest transfer fee for a center back ever. And you're just going to give him a five? Like, bruh. Hold them accountable. And I think <clears throat> none of that nonsense is going to happen with Ralph Ragnick. So I'm pretty excited to see how he's able to transform that locker room, get everyone, you know, in line. And then afterwards, we'll see what happens after this season, if he stays on board as a coach or if he does just take like a like an upper management position that's being talked about. But I do think for one United is going to have some accountability. And I could definitely see a max exodus of players after this season if they keep him um, with the players that he doesn't think um, listen to him, that he doesn't think fit the team. Like, we might see some a lot of United players exit and get some more in to really change that culture. But overall, I think it's a great signing for Manchester United. Um, he seems like a good transition guy. Maybe one of the elite coaches um become available at the end of the season when when there's when things usually shift a little bit more but for now i think this is a good appointment for manchester united to get them to the end of the season 
the Seahawks lose to the Washington football team, they are done. They will not make the playoffs. I know the seventh seed is not that far away just because the NFC isn't is top heavy. It doesn't have a lot of good teams in the bottom. So they could theoretically make a run. They could theoretically win out, finish nine and nine and eight and get the seventh seed, or maybe eight and nine will be enough. And they just signed Adrian Peterson as a running back off free agency. And I don't know how much that would do. Adrian Peterson, one of the all-time greats, but he doesn't have too much left on the tank. But this this loss to the Washington football team just let, lets me know that the Seahawks are not going to turn it around. They're not going to just flip a switch. That offense looks terrible. I don't know what the offensive coordinator is calling. DK Metcalf only having one catch for the whole game for 13 yards. DK Metcalf. How do you not get DK Metcalf more than one catch? It's just... It's terrible. It's bad. It should, it should never happen, and it's happening. And Russell Wilson looks like he's bad. Is he injured still? He's saying that his finger feels fine, but he's throwing the ball into the dirt. His his, his throws aren't as accurate as you know we know Russell Wilson can be, and it's just hard to watch. That defense hasn't been that bad, holding the Washington football team to 17 points. They still allow a lot of yards, but they've been a little better in the red zone, not allowing the other team to score. But that offense is just terrible. It's just it's hard to watch. It's slow. It, it looks like they have to grind out every single drive. And it looks like they're always in third and long. And they're always fighting for their lives. And it's just it's terrible. It's bad. It's it's it doesn't look good. And I don't think it's gonna change. And Russell Wilson, who was upset this offseason after a twelve and four season, it looks like this might be we might be counting down the days of Russell Wilson being a Seattle Seahawk because if he was upset last year and they had a 12 and 4 season, I could only imagine how upset he is this year. Uh I think they had the an in the Super Bowl when the, when Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl playing against Patrick Mahomes. I believe they showed that Russell Wilson was on the stands and he could just tell that he was mad. He he wants to be there. He wants to experience another Super Bowl. He wants to win another championship. And the Seahawks the Seahawks look like they're like they're far away, and that division is not easy at all. You have the Cardinals, who have surprised a lot of people and are leading the NFL with the best record. Um, the Rams have lost three straight, but they're still a pretty solid team. They're seven and four. The Niners have turned it around. They've won three straight. I believe they're six and five. So that division is hard. That division is hard. Everyone has a positive, has an over five hundred record except the Seahawks. So it might be a tough, tough turnaround, um, and Russell Wilson might might want to go somewhere else. He might want to go to a different offense, a better offensive coordinator, an offense-oriented coach. And I don't blame him because I, I I'm kind of I'm curious to see how Russell Wilson would do, like in an Andy Reid offense, in a Sean McVay offense, in a um, Matt Lafleur offense, something like that, where they're running a bunch of other stuff it's not just so stagnant so boring run the ball run the ball third and long throw make russell wilson do something uh yeah it, it would be great it would be great to see him in another offense and the seahawks just look terrible they look like i don't know i can't see them getting more than six wins this season but you know maybe adrian peterson is what they needed and maybe they could turn it around but as far as i've seen the last three weeks the seahawks are done the Rams lose their third straight game. 
They are now 7-4 and four after starting 7-1. and one. They lose to the Packers 36-28. to 28. It was a one-score game at the end, but this game was not that close. The Packers thoroughly dominated the Rams throughout the 60 minutes. And now three straight losses, losses to the Titans, 49ers, and Packers. They do have the Jaguars next. And then they close out with the Cardinals, Seahawks, Vikings, Ravens, and 49ers. So that's a very tough schedule. Only the Jaguars is the is the game that you can see them like just flat out win. And the Seahawks if they don't turn it around. But other than that, you got the Cardinals. The Vikings have been tough. They've lost a lot of close games, but they've had um, a lot of solid victories too. And all their losses have been competitive. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson and the 49ers who have turned it around. So if if they keep if they keep going on this skid, you could you could end up like like nine nine and eight, ten and seven to end the season in the wild card spot. I don't think they have a chance of missing the playoffs just because all the other teams are pretty back pretty far down the standings, especially for that seventh spot. But I could see them potentially finishing seventh or sixth in the wild card race if they don't stop this bleeding. But that's just crazy. It's crazy how much a narrative could change. It's crazy how our perspective, our outlook on a team can change from week to week, let alone in a month or three weeks. I remember the Rams were 7-1. and one. They were flying. They were looking good. Matthew Stafford was uh, the MVP favorite. Everyone was touting the Rams organization for going all in, for getting um, Vaughn Miller, for picking up OBJ. like it was sweet it was sweet i have Rams fans all over my instagram and they were they were posting they were like super bowl bound like that's it give us the ring like start measuring our fingers like all that good stuff everyone thought not everyone but a lot of people were like okay the rams the rams are for real seven and one they might be the favorites nc favorites to represent them in the super bowl and now here we are beginning of december and they lose three straight. Matthew Stafford has completely regressed. He looks like the Matthew Stafford of the Lions, where you know you tell you could tell he has a lot of talent, but he doesn't have that it factor. He can't carry a team. He can't um, really just galvanize the entire locker room and get them to play better. He kind of when it starts going bad, he, he goes along with the with the ride. You know he can't turn it. He can't steer the ship. Um, this is his third straight game with a pick six. That's not good. Obviously, it's not good. He's the first quarterback to do it since Matt Schaub. And that's not that's not the company you want to be in. We were talking about Matthew Stafford. You know, uh, people were saying if, if he would have left the the if he would have left the Lions earlier, he would be on a gold jacket type of path. That's how much talent he has. That's how good his arm is. But now, now we're comparing him to Matt Schaub. And no disrespect to Matt Schaub. I, I actually really enjoyed Matt Schaub. He did uh have the yards. He was the yards leader for one season, and he did put up nice numbers for the Texans. But if you're getting compared to Matt Schaub, then, you know, you are nowhere near uh, gold jacket material. So Matthew Stafford has to pick it up. He has to step up. They they gave up a lot of capital to get, to get him. And so far, he's only really delivered against the weak teams. Um, and the way he's playing, I, I don't even see the Rams winning one playoff game like he needs to pick it up he needs to look better in the pocket he had three straight games with the pick six but he he could have had more pick sixes he like at the end when they were trying to drive to make the score look a little better he almost threw another one 
where he kind of threw it out to the flat and it, it hung up and it just got missed by a little bit. So Matthew Stafford, he looks shaky. He, he's I do I do know that he's a little bit hurt, but everyone's hurt at this point. Baker Mayfield, everyone's playing hurt. So you got to pick it up. Obviously, the the loss of Robert Woods doesn't help. Don't want to overstate or understate the importance of Robert Woods. He was pivotal for them. He was great for them on third down. He could do everything. He could run across. He could go deep. He could do the bubble screens. He could do the end rounds. He did a little bit of everything. Um, he was like an all-gadget wide receiver, so losing him doesn't help. But he's under Sean McVay, and I know he's going to draw up some plays for him. He just has to hit him. He looks. He needs to look more comfortable in the pocket. He needs to protect the football better. He needs to have more pocket awareness and just make better decisions. Um and yeah, now that they lost three straight and the Cardinals have still been able to ride the ship even without Kyler Murray, uh, it looks like the NFC West is out of reach. It just looks like there's not they're not going to be able to catch up to the Cardinals. So now they have to uh, just try to get that top wild card spot. And, and if the Rams go away from home in the playoffs, their chances significantly go down. I don't I don't have them going to Lambo or going to Tampa Bay any any of those other teams I don't I don't see them going traveling going to Dallas and pulling up the upset let alone several upsets to get to the Super Bowl so it looks like the Rams wasted an opportunity they were they were in the driver's seat they were seven and one the Super Bowl is at SoFi Stadium they could have played at home but it looks like they're kind of wasting away their opportunity and I think the onus is on Matthew Stafford to turn it around and that defense too that defense has a lot of star power um a lot of star power they need to start playing better Aaron Donald needs to get more pressures needs to look like the old Aaron Donald and the Rams just need to turn around because they're they're way there's too much talent there they're way too top heavy to not be doing better but I think Jaguars come at the perfect time for them um if if they don't beat the Jaguars or if they look bad against the Jaguars, then it's a wrap. Like you could just count them. They're gonna make the playoffs, but you could just count them out from the Super Bowl. The Patriots are back after one year of misery, after one year where it looked like they were gone. People were talking about Bill Belichick being a fraud. It was all Tom Brady. You should you owe your career to Tom Brady. There was a lot of people talking in hyperbole. There was a lot of people talking down on Bill Belichick. And now, 12 weeks into the season, they are at the top of the AFC East. They just beat the Titans 36-13. The Titans, who a lot of people had as the best team in the NFL, they, they, are, without Hunt, um, they are without Henry, Derrick Henry. But still, the Titans were still a solid team, and they just trashed them 36-13. to They have now won six wins in a row. And they play the Bills twice in the next three weeks. Bills, Colts, Bills. There's a Colts sandwich with Bills bread. And we're going to find out just how real they are. I, I already think the Patriots are real, especially like in the years coming forward with the young Mac Jones. Like You just got to take them seriously now. You got to know that they're going to be a threat going forward. But this year, like people are talking like, can they make the Super Bowl? Can they make a run? Well, this is how we're going to find out. I already think they're for reals. I already think... They're going to make the playoffs. They have the potential to, you know, get a win in the playoffs. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. But these Bills matchups are going to show us just how strong they are. If they have the potential to really make a push for the Super Bowl, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. 
I think the most impressive win in this six-game um, win streak is probably against the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers at that point were riding high. They were uh, looked at as one of the better teams in the AFC. They've kind of come back down to earth since then, but it kind of all started losing to the to the Patriots. They did trash the Browns too, but they were going through like a lot at that point. And the victory against the Titans without Derrick Henry. So I would say the Chargers ones is the most impressive. And they they have beaten up on some lowly teams along the way. But their defense is great. They're forcing turnovers. Mac Jones has been great. He's been better than advertised. Uh, he, he has a lot of pocket presses, a lot of composure. Um, he knows where to find his check down. He, he doesn't look like he gets rattled. So that's good for Mac Jones. He's, he's definitely playing great for a rookie. And he's playing... Uh, above average for a regular quarterback, a veteran. So good good for Mac Jones. That defense is carrying them. The special teams is great. Nick Ford's a great kicker. Um, so the Patriots, Bill Belichick looks like, you know, Bill Belichick. People got to apologize to him for calling, for saying that he got carried by Tom Brady last year. He just didn't have the horses. He didn't have the horses. He retooled in the offseason. Now he has some horses. We'll see how he keeps building this team in the offseason, in free agency, in the draft. But as of right now, the Patriots are leading the AFC East. The Bills are kind of sputtering. They're kind of, you don't know what the Bills are doing. So it does look like the Patriots have a chance to win the AFC East. And if the Patriots get a home game, if they're able to maybe even end up with the bye, if the if the if the road to the Super Bowl on the AFC side goes through Foxborough, then, hey, we can start talking about, you know, Super Bowl-bound Patriots. And will they meet the Bucks there? That'll be interesting. That'll be a story. That'll be a crazy storyline. But Patriots are back. Mac Jones is a solid, solid quarterback. He's a great rookie, solid quarterback. And that defense is just impressive. They hound you. They they're relentless for all sixty minutes. And these Bill games are going to be exciting. So definitely, definitely watch these next two Bill games. But I will say this: I would not be surprised if the Patriots just fall back to eight and seven after these three games the bills are tough the bills i know i know they're not playing their best football but you would imagine that the bills are going to play their a game against the patriots the bills who a lot of people thought they were going to have a chokehold on the division just like how the patriots had for all those years maybe not as long but you were thinking like okay these bills are nice these bills are legit these bills have josh allen mvp candidate last year it looks like the Bills are going to dominate for the next, you know, three to five, three to six years. Like, this is the Bills division. And for right after the next year, the Patriots are already back. They're already trying to take back their division. I think if you're the Bills, you got to take that personally. You got to be like, nah. Like, it's not. it wasn't just a one-year run. It wasn't just, you know, a fluke, a little Cinderella story last year. This is our division. Like we, they gotta hold. They gotta take that personally. They gotta, you know, feel that responsibility to keep the AFC East in Buffalo. So I think that's gonna be. They're gonna play their A game. I would not be surprised if the Patriots lose the next three games, just because the Colts are also playing desperate. They need a a fight for that last playoff spot in the AFC, and they play the Bucks very tough. They should probably beat the Bucks. So those are three very very competitive games that the Patriots have. If they extend their playoff, I mean, their um, win streak to nine, if they sweep the Bills and get the Colts dub, then all bets are off. The, the Patriots are the best team in the AFC. 
they will represent them in the Super Bowl. If they if they go unscathed these next three games, I've seen enough. That will just cement it in my head. They are the best team in the AFC. But for now, we'll see. Eight and four, great turnaround after starting two and four. They're eight and four, and we'll see how they'll do against the Bills. But I think they'll probably split against the Bills, and I, I would say they lose against the Colts just because the Colts are desperate. The Suns beat the Warriors. They extend their win streak to 17 games. They are the best team in the NBA. They just beat the Warriors with only Booker playing 15 minutes, 104 to 96. They completely shut down Steph Curry, who had his worst shooting night ever when he attempts 20 or more shots. Mikael Bridges is just a great defender. There's there's no other way to put it. He's a lockdown defender. Um, he's pesky. He has a long wingspan. And... He's pretty athletic, so he could keep up with almost anybody. He has great conditioning. So he, even though Curry was running all over the court, Mikael Bridges was right there on his hip, following him everywhere. He only scored two points, but that defense he played on Steph Curry has like a tremendous value. You can't put a value on that. Shout out Mikael Bridges for having a great game. And Booker has been amazing throughout this run. It's, he's been amazing. Unfortunately, he couldn't finish the game. He had a hamstring injury and... We all know hamstring injuries are very iffy. Like if you if you push him, if you don't take that rest, if you don't let it heal, that hamstring could bother you for the whole season. And you don't want that, especially if you're the Suns and you're on this hot hot win streak and you kind of have NBA Finals aspirations, losing the Finals last year. It's it's almost like NBA Finals are bust. So why would you you know rush Booker on a regular season game? Although against the Warriors, you know to see who's the top dog, but. At the end of the day, it, it won't matter too much, maybe in the seedings, but you kind of want to rest him. But for them to be able to give Booker that rest and still get the victory, just I, I there's no words to describe it. The Suns are the best team in the NBA right now. And Chris Paul is a savant, 36 years old, playing in his 17th season. Like, I, I can't believe it. Chris Paul, who a lot of people had written off, once he went to OKC, you were like, okay, that's it. That's that's the end of his career as as a as a member of a contender, as a member of a team that's relevant, that's gonna be playing on TNT, that's gonna be playing on ESPN uh, on a nightly basis. Like you're gonna just if you want to watch Chris Paul, you're gonna have to get the league pass so that you're able to watch the local telecast for OKC, and that's it. He's gonna fade into obscurity, and we're gonna you know we're not gonna forget about him because he's an all-time great. But as far as like. Uh, players that are going to impact the playoff race uh, that like he's done that's it and Chris Paul being the all-time great that he is you know he took that personally and he made OKC better than expected he got them to the playoffs and he went to the Suns afterwards and he just completely turned that franchise around the Suns who won seven eight straight games in the bubble who made the finals last year this team looks better than all those teams um Aiton is really coming into his own after being drafted what number three overall in that like in that 2018 draft I believe 2019 draft he's really coming into his own I think Booker and Chris Paul have said in this offseason that they were going to get Aiton paid and well he's going to get paid and obviously Chris Paul and Booker have something to do with it but Aiton deserves most of the credit he's really developed um he's good on the low post He's athletic. He runs the whole core. He can defend really, really well. I'm just very impressed with Aiden. And if you're in the, if you're in the West, he just provides a matchup nightmare against you guys. Because 
almost every team's trying to go small. Every team's trying to, you know, play quicker, have as many shooters as they can out on the court. Aiton is like the counter to that. He he's big, he's strong, he can finish at the rim, and he could just out rebound anybody. If if you go too small, Aiton could could punish you, and he's just gonna be a matchup nightmare. Um, the Suns are built very very well. They're deep. They have probably the best one two combination at point guard and shooting guard. We'll see how Clay comes back. We'll see if Kyrie ever plays. But Chris Paul and Booker is probably as good as it gets right now in the NBA. No lost November, as Devin Booker uh, tweeted out, the Suns are on fire. And I just hope, um, as an NBA fan, as a Laker fan, I do hope that they, you know they, they got hot too early. But as an NBA fan, I, I want to see everyone going into the, the playoffs at their best. So we have like just epic matchups in the playoffs. So I just hope the Suns aren't getting too hot too soon. Like, we still got a lot of NBA left. We got December, January, February, March, and then the playoffs start around April, April, May. Um, NBA finals are around June. So hopefully for the Suns, you know, this is not too too quick. This is not too much too early. I hope they have, you know, a lot in the gas and they're not burning it all out right now. But I don't think so. Like, they did make the finals last year. Uh, they should be very focused on what their goal is. They should know that. All of this is great, you know. They're they're about to break the franchise record for most win for their win streak, or they're about to tie it. If I think they play the Pistons, if they play the if they beat the Pistons, they tie their record, and then they play the Warriors for the record to set a new one. I'm pretty sure this is all great. They would all love to be part of history, um, tie that record, extend it. But if they don't, I'm pretty sure they all understand that the goal is to make it back to the finals and give themselves a chance to lift uh, the Bill O'Brien trophy. But congratulations to the Suns. 17-game win streak. No loss November. Shout-out to the Suns. Shout-out to Chris Paul mainly. You are a savant. And Monty Williams, great coach. LaMelo Ball and Giannis Antetokounmpo battle it out on Wednesday night. What a game. The Hornets lose to the Bucks 125-127 to in an amazing matchup. An amazing matchup that really gave us a preview of what could happen in the playoffs for many years to come. Because LaMelo Ball is is for real. LaMelo Ball is here. He's here to stay. He's the best ball brother. And he had like his coming out party yesterday. And every, no, no one had a better view of it than Giannis. You know, the, the two-time MVP, NBA champion. He recognized how good of a talent Melo Ball is at the end of the game. He went up to him. He grabbed his shoulder. He waited for him to acknowledge him. And he's like, you can pretty much tell. I, I can't really say what he said because I'm not, I can't read his mouth. But pretty much said, hey, bro, you're, you're legit. You're you're sick. You had a good-ass game. Let me get your jersey. I, re I respect you so much. Like, you're trying to swap jerseys. And Lamelo was like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And they swapped jerseys. And it was a great moment. And it just goes to show how people look at LaMelo now, that Giannis, the MVP, the NBA champion, finals MVP, best player in the NBA right now, is going up to LaMelo and asking him for his jersey and is acknowledging what a great game he had. But it was just an amazing game. Back and forth, Hornets take the lead. Bucks fight back. They take the lead. It looks like they're going to start pulling away. Hornets stay in the game. LaMelo Ball just dishing out assists making tough threes, getting points, getting buckets. 
and the ending was crazy. The Bucks were up 125 to 122, and the Hornets inball the ball to Lamella Ball, who's running. Um, it kind of reminded me of that Lillard game winner against the Rockets when it was Harden and, and Dwight Howard, and he's just running from um, one side of the court to the other, uh, right along the three-point line. He picks, he gets the ball, and he shoots, and he makes that three-pointer, and he sends the Rockets home. Um, it kind of reminded me of that, but just obviously in, in Milwaukee and in a regular season game, Lamella Ball runs across the court, gets the ball, takes one dribble, shoots nothing but net, 125 to 125. The arena is like silent. They can't believe it. The Hornets are going crazy. Lamella Ball has just gone to 36 points, and he, he was just balling up. He was balling. He was going toe-to-toe against Giannis, who ended up with 40 and it was just like, wow, we're going to get free basketball. Like, I'm down for five more minutes of this. Um, but you, they had like five seconds left. Milwaukee Bucks run a great inbound pass, inbound play from uh, after a timeout. And Giannis attacks the rim. It's, it was kind of too easy. They should have had another man come out and, and help. They should have made Giannis kick out. But it was a good play. Uh, they got Giannis with the head of steam, and it was it was over after that. Giannis, you know, obviously being one of the best or the best um, player when it comes to attacking the rim when you have when he has momentum. So he gets the two points, 127, 125, and at the end, I believe it was Bridges who shot a half court shot, and it actually went inside of the rim for a little bit, and then it bounced out or rolled out. But overall, that was just a great game, um, and it was kind of a coming out party for Lamelo. Obviously, we've all seen him all over social media. Anytime he has a good play, uh, Sports Center, ESPN, Bleacher Report, everyone he just puts out his highlights, hypes him up. It's it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I don't mind seeing him. There's some people that are getting a little tired, or they call it out like, "Oh, why are you or like on his nuts or something?" I I don't mind it. He's a great player. His highlights are usually really cool, but this was one of his better games. This was one where. Uh, he's like, it was just, it was a hyped up matchup, LaMelo against Giannis and LaMelo stepped up. He went toe to toe against Giannis. It really felt like it was like, it was like a boxing match and they were just punching each other. Like LaMelo three, Giannis attacks. It was, it was a great game and I'm, I'm pumped to see how good LaMelo could get. And like the commentators were saying, they're probably going to be all-star teammates and LaMelo in the all-star game should be like ridiculously fun i could already imagine like what what antics he's gonna throw in the game if he already if he already does crazy stuff on a regular season game i can only imagine how loose and how how much fun it's gonna be to watch him play at the all-star game but lamella ball is here you guys he's the real deal if you needed more confirmation this was it lamella ball is gonna be a star he's one of the better younger players in the nba and i'm just pumped i'm pumped because the hornets have great commentators with a lot of great energy and LaMelo Ball has just revitalized that franchise. That franchise is relevant again. And they're they're fun to they're fun to watch. And LaMelo Ball is just incredible incredibly fun to watch. But the Bucks, Bucks are on an eight game win streak. After starting six and eight, they're now fourteen and eighth and eight. They're like fourth in the in the East now. And they're coming. The Bucks are here. And it was just a great matchup. If you guys didn't Watch the game. Make sure to at least catch the highlights. It, they're fun. You guys got to watch it. But that should do it for the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast, episode number 75. If you made it to the end, I appreciate you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. 
And if you're listening on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and have a great rest of your day.